Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and advance STEM awareness. I'm your host of the show, Kelly Green, the Chief Operations Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. In the studio, I have my co-host, Chief Science Officer of the Year last year, Shalai. Hello, everyone. In this episode of STEM Unplugged, we will be exploring opportunities for students. Our guests today include Rich Crutchley, the VP and GM North America for Iron Mountain Data Centers. And we also have Ann Landers joining us. She is the Senior Director of Marketing and Development for Junior Achievement of Arizona. Welcome to you both, and thanks for joining us for STEM Unplugged. Thanks for having having me. So, Rick, in your role, you support Iron Mountain's outreach efforts, including the recent donation of 100 Chromebooks to help us close the digital divide here in Arizona. This donation has allowed our team to connect with students and families as they navigate the virtual experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your role at Iron Mountain and what this has meant to you and your team? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Thank you for having me. As you you mentioned, I am with Iron Mountain. I live here in Arizona and we have facilities all over the world, but I'm responsible for the data center business uh, in North America and we're headquartered here in Phoenix. Iron Mountain, essentially our purpose is to be trusted guardians of the assets most important to our customers, securing their past, present and uh, future. And it's something that we uh, take very seriously. Our history began uh, opening up Uh, our first underground facility in 1951. Mm -hmm. So 69 years since we've gained a significant expertise and have become the leader in securing information and assets most important to to our customers, uh, no matter what format. You uh, probably know us best for storing and protecting business records and uh, backup tapes. However, we also store and protect classic movies like E.T., Uh, and Jaws, uh, the master recordings of Elvis and Sinatra, and Steven Spielberg's library of audio and uh, video interviews of living Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also recently started expanding into storing and transporting and protecting works of arts for museums and and companies and, and individuals. Over the decades, I would say our customers have went digital, and and so have we. Uh, I'm proud to say we now provide services such as documenting imaging, indexing and data capture, data migration and restoration, secure IT asset disposition, uh, workflow automation. Uh, We have uh, content uh, analytics and machine learning uh, in partnership with Google. And then uh, we uh, are in multi-tenant and cloud data centers, which is the world that I, I, I live in. And so I'm responsible for our, 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 our assets, our data center assets in North America, um, we are in uh, nine different markets um, and uh, have, what, 12 or 13 data centers throughout, throughout uh, North America. And I'm responsible for the, the, the P&L and the operations and taking care of our customers. Uh, and uh, have lived in Arizona for, for, for 20 years, have been involved in technology <laughs> for 20 years, in Sorry. data centers for, for 20 years. and. Uh, have had this is my second stint on the uh, technology council uh, board, 
And uh, I had the pleasure to, to meet your uh, executive director, Jeremy, uh, early on. And uh, uh, I have a, a passion for STEM. My, my son is a, a STEM student here in Arizona. And we live in, uh, I live in technology. So it's important for our business to find good young leaders and get youngsters excited uh, about technology. And so we were excited to participate with COVID, we had an opportunity to to take a look at our our events, our marketing events, and our budgets. And there was an opportunity when we wanted to do something to help uh, students and and families uh, in the community. And and so our team brainstormed a bit about how we could participate and how we could leverage uh, our existing budget. And and so our team thought of of this idea uh, in 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 uh, you know. Uh, working with with uh, the SciTech team, so we're and 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 our our good partner Schneider Electric participated as well, and so we're we're we've been ecstatic to be able to participate in this way. I had an opportunity to visit the data center on Forty um, Eighth Street, and oh. we took a tour with our chief science officers. That was pretty cool to get to see inside the big fancy building. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I had no idea all of that about Iron Mountain. So yeah, I hope our listeners are kind of getting an earful because I don't think everybody <laughs> understood what that building was capable of. So that's awesome. So, Anne, for over 60 years, Junior Achievement has been preparing millions of Arizona students to succeed in work and life, especially the work your team does preparing and hosting field trips. In what ways have you and your team adjusted your curriculum to meet the needs of students and teachers? Rick, you commented there's a couple parallels between our, our companies and organizations. Um, we've both been around since the 50s, which is really long Incredible. time here in Arizona. <laughs> And also, you mentioned that you guys are securing the, the past, present, and future. And I would say exactly what we're doing at Junior Achievement is securing kids' present and their future, right? Mm-hmm. So we're giving them the skills to succeed and work in life through money management, work readiness, and entrepreneurship education. And underneath all of that, really at the foundation is the ability to think critically and make good decisions, which mm-hmm. in every aspect of life, but particularly in those three key areas. COVID, as you can imagine, was was a big shift for us. We Mm -hmm. traditionally partner exclusively with schools. So when schools closed, our programs came to a halt, right? And we have already been kind of laying the groundwork for transitioning our programs digitally for a while. And so it was kind of a natural segue for us. Sure, we worked hard. We we moved swiftly. But we brought all of those programs online very quickly for kindergarten through fifth graders where the student could self-select in with their parents or teachers who were struggling to send curriculum home for their for their students in that spring semester, they could assign that out to their students in a very natural way that was a video-based with an paired activity. We also created a really robust resource library immediately so that people could pick and choose, occupy their time, and still be growing in those foundational skills. But beyond that, everything we're doing is different now. Every single aspect of it. Even mm-hmm. though school starts here in the next couple of weeks, we might not have students in this facility in our JA BizTown, but that doesn't mean our programs will stop. We're launching a variety of new ones. We're expanding on some of our premier high school programs like JA or Hired, and I'll now have even more high school component or more learning and, and online components, especially in STEM. It's something we're exposing kids to. And so we're really taking it as an opportunity. It's hard work. 
It has been also one of the greatest joys for all of our teams to figure out how we can continue securing those futures. I think, uh, Shalay, what didn't you go to JA BizTown? What, tell us about your story. Yes, I did, actually. So it was one of the uh, it's a really great memory I have. Um, I still remember I borrowed one of my brother's ties and I oh. borrowed one of my mom's button downs and I got all dressed up. I think it was one of my, my first times, you know, getting dressed in business casual as a fifth grader. And um, I went and I was so proud that my teachers had thought I was responsible enough to be the mayor um, because that's the position I'd been given. And it was just a really great experience, you know, going around and checking in on all of my classmates and their businesses, seeing how they were doing and just uh, getting to be in that role was really, really exciting for me. So I think it's really, really great, the program that you guys have at BizTown. Yeah. I taught sixth grade math um, prior to this job and <laughs> I actually had served in the army for over 20 years, but I would be in my classroom and the first three weeks of school, all the students would talk about is their fifth grade field trip and who was the mayor. So, I mean, Anne, can you tell us a little bit more about what is happening? And I got to visit your facility and it's just incredible. The, it's real and it makes you feel like you are actually immersed in an entire town with all of those incredible partners you have. Um, tell us a little bit about that experience. And while we don't know what it's going to look like in the future, um, what are some of the plans yeah, so J. Bistown is one of our 20-plus programs that we offer to students. And what makes this program particularly unique is that we partner with the schools where the teachers help deliver about 14 hours of our curriculum in the classroom. We train the teachers, we make it turnkey, but through those 14 hours, they're teaching students about the economy, about the general business world, about what it means to be a citizen, how to manage their personal finances, how to manage their businesses, and then about halfway through that curriculum, they're placed in a unit. Like right here, you can see Raising Canes for those that are on video. <laughs> um, so they get put into a unit and there's a CEO and a CFO in every shop. And then in every shop, there are other roles that are specific to their business. So in our technology shop, we have a CTO, we have an engineer, I think. We have a couple roles that are really nuanced that help them get a sense of what it looks like to be an adult for the day. They come here, they take out a business loan from the bank. Their goal is to pay back and potentially turn a profit. And then twice during the day, they become the consumers and they have to manage their own personal finances. They figure out what it's like to have an interdependent economy, a community, how to serve one another, and really how to um, be an adult for the day. And we find that lots of our students go on to pursue careers in the field that they served in. So Chalet, while you're not a mayor yet, it's very possible <laughs> you will be one day. I think it's definitely in our future. I think I, that was kind of what I was going to mention was that, you know, <laughs> the the impact that that opportunity has had on the students that I've talked to and, you know, the role that it's playing in her civic responsibility as a chief science officer, mm -hmm. her STEM ambassador work that she's really trying to advocate for STEM. You know, Rick, I know your son, it, you mentioned he is a STEM student. So understanding what the opportunities are here in Arizona, I don't think everybody understands how big the tech sector is. And Rick, you said mm -hmm. you're part of the Arizona Technology Council. So what is what role does Iron Mountain and the Tech Council have in advocating for the tech industry here in Arizona and the opportunities for upcoming students? Yeah, so the Tech Council is a wonderful organization that is focused on 
uh, on, on keeping the Arizona companies, uh, you know, across the state of Arizona uh, engaged. And the goal for the tech council is to, to empower, engage, and, and connect these tech companies uh, through educational seminars, through legislative lobbying, uh, and, and, and networking events. The tech council uh, board is really uh, full of executives that are running major technology organizations throughout the, the state and are asked to participate uh, with setting up these seminars or helping actively work with the team to, to do legislative uh, business legislative uh, lobbying and things of that nature. And, you know, the way Iron Mountain has been participating with the Tech Council is really been focused on on STEM. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, how humans have solved world problems, found cures to diseases and invented machines that could take us, you know, further distances, science, technology, engineering, and math uh, have all uh, helped uh, you know, to, to innovative minds to, to create, imagine, and uh, excel. And uh, so we live in technology. Our customers uh, develop all kinds of neat technology and applications. And, uh, you know, it's important for us to participate, one, to, to, to try to get youngsters energized and excited about uh, technology. Um, but we want our, our future employees and leaders uh, to come from the state of Arizona and to work for us. And, and, and uh, so it's selfish from that perspective as well. We want to create uh, the right relationships with the, the, the community and, and have uh, a, uh, a uh, farm team, so to speak, to, to, <laughs> and a pipeline for, for great workforce development. It really is such an important mission, just building up that pipeline of the future tech leaders in, in Arizona. And can you tell us a little bit more about the student success stories coming out of JA? We were really excited that CSO Caillou and CSO Elena were selected last year and this year as students recognized in your 18 under 18 program. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk uh, a couple different stories. We have students, the majority of the students we serve come from low-income backgrounds. And so one of the most compelling stories for me, one of the things that um, I really latch on to when, when things are uh, really full of grit, I really look back at some of these students like Mary, who came from a, a low-income family. I think they lived out in Maryville at the time, and she participated in our JER Hired program. She went on to get an internship um, with one of our partners through that program. And we learned through that program that she actually um, was fearful that she wouldn't even be able to participate because as a 16-year-old, she had a one-year-old son. And it turned out that she was the first woman in her Latina family to uh, ever graduate high school. She went on to have a career at that partner where she interned and she went on to get her degree through them. And then she has actually since moved her son to a school that partners with Junior Achievement because she attributes the impact of the program so wholeheartedly to her future success. That's amazing. That's just one example. That's and great. We have really cool programs like 18 Under 18 where we want to, we get to see the hope in all of our students and we get to see that innovation, that future innovation. We get to see those future problem solvers and critical thinkers. We see them all the time. 
But we want to share that with the rest of Arizona because we we know that pipeline for you there is is there, Rick. We know that mm-hmm. that pipeline and all of these innovators are right here in our state. And so we go through a formal process and we pick 18 students every year to highlight. And they are always going to be leaders. They're going to have an entrepreneurial mindset. They're going to have some level of significant achievement in the community and elsewhere. And then they might have um, uh, intangible or unique talent or skill set that that's kind of unparalleled for their age. And we have students who um, have created businesses like terrariums, like yeah. one of the SciTech <laughs> students. They he created terrariums in his back in his garage and was selling something to the effect of sixty thousand dollars a year, and was trying to figure out how he was going to do it when he went to college because he knew he couldn't do it in his dorm, especially because he was going to. Pennsylvania, Carnegie Mellon. It snows there. I love Arizona. (laughs) And then we have another student, Max. He always stands out to me because he is um, a boy who, a man probably now, he's a young man who's a half black man. And he really saw a couple years ago, um, the disparity and the issues that were going on with um, police brutality. And so he created on his own, a non-lethal weapon for law enforcement to use. He patented it. And there's actually two departments that are currently using that weapon. Is so, that right? I mean, it's amazing, right? Those yeah, that's great. It really gives me chills as I talk about it now. He, a 16-year-old boy at the time, was already solving these big problems. And uh, so much so that Axon brought him in, the CEO brought him in and really got to know him after that. And so I really do believe that we are creating that pipeline just by giving exposure and awareness to STEM especially for young women. You'll probably touch on that. Young girls are not as interested as those as those young men are. And that's not okay. It is Girl- not okay. <laughs> You're talking to two very specific <laughs> women that um, would say kudos for bringing that up because we, yes. we do want to advocate for... Uh-oh, my dog's barking again. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Shalai, like, can you talk a little like- bit? <laughs> yeah, it's real, right? We're... Oh, goodness. Um... Shalai actually did an entire research project for her action plan and then presented to the National Science Foundation. You want to talk about girls in STEM? Yeah. So for one of my action plans, I gathered a group of about 12 girls uh, who were in sixth grade. So they had just come out of elementary school because it was the very beginning of the school year. And uh, we really just wanted to see, like our, our goal was just to kind of test, you know, what their perception of STEM was and what they believed Mm. they could accomplish in the STEM field uh, at such a young age. You know, they were all about 10 or 11. And um, so we we got them all together in a room and it was just kind of like this uh, discussion forum, that type of format. And uh, we showed them a couple of slides of, um, of, you know, we asked them, what do you picture when you think of a scientist was one of our questions. Mm. And, you know, that's a, a pretty common one. And the pretty common answer for that is a white old male um, <laughs> with the frizzy hair and the lab coat and everything, the glasses, <laughs> you know. Um, and so we really just had this in-depth discussion about what they could do with their lives and with their career and what they believed they could do. We also, you know, got really deep into what the media made them believe they could do, you know, how mm-hmm. how women are portrayed in the media. We talked a lot about how you don't really see a lot of um a lot of females portrayed as like these brilliant scientists or uh, people in the tech industry. You hear more about 
women on reality TV shows and and different things like that. And so just how that influenced their perception, a lot of a lot of them said negatively, you know. Um, and so we we surveyed them before we had that discussion and after, and we found that you know a lot of them had uh, had different perceptions about how far they could go in life after having that discussion with those eleven other sixth grade sixth graders uh, in the room, and a lot of them just felt like they you know they they weren't scared anymore to mm. to go into that tech tech industry the stem industry um and they felt a lot more comfortable going into that sort of workplace environment where you know that was another thing we talked about how some of those stem workplaces uh, are very centered around males and so it can sometimes be tough being a woman in those environments um, what was that movie we went to watch? It was called Underwater. It was super scary. But we went to a movie screening and I took, I asked Shalee to go with me and we watched that movie. And there was a young female engineer that was mm-hmm. the lead role. And the coolest thing about not being, I spilled my popcorn, but Shalee <laughs> came out and said, that was a strong female lead. And I was mm-hmm. so proud of her for Good noticing. For yeah. And realizing that even though she was scantily clad in, you know, a few parts, she actually was the, you know, lead role. She was a technician or engineer. And I thought that was pretty cool to experience with Chalet. And we've traveled, goodness, all over the place to train new chief science officers and, you know, explored different cities to hit the highlights. And, you know, I think there's one cool thing about what you're doing, Chalet, is you're really giving that voice to other young females to really mm-hmm. say, I had no idea I was interested in that because I think and and Rick, you both kind of touched on the idea that maybe they don't know they're interested. So, I mean, what advice would you have, Rick? We'll start with you. What advice would you have for young students, not just females, but you can talk about females. Would you give them to kind of explore their options? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's it's I'm glad that this topic has come up. It's something that we struggle with in in our business each and every day in the data center industry. It is very heavily uh, male dominated. We, you know, typically you see women in roles that are in sales or marketing or HR and things of that nature. But I, I don't have many service delivery technicians or critical facilities technicians uh, or even uh, operations managers that that, that are are women. It's something that, to be completely transparent, it's something that we are working to, to try to, 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 to be better at and to encourage and to get women, young women, excited uh, about these, these opportunities. What we have been doing to try to, to, to get them excited, as I mentioned, we support STEM uh, across all of our communities throughout our portfolio. Um, we've hosted multiple schools and nonprofits and other tour groups to come in and actually see our facilities and see what uh, the different roles are. And, and uh, you know, I've been encouraged at times when people look at the roles and they say, wow, I, I, could, I could be a service delivery tech or I could be an engineer. But it's really trying to educate people as much as, you know, possible. In, in Virginia, our team has been very involved in, um, I believe it's called Sparking STEM. It's a, a nonprofit focused on encouraging young women uh, to explore the world of STEM, and uh, 
So, you know, we, we bring people in for tours and, and, and things of that nature and show them the different roles. Ultimately, you know, what we've, I, I've talked to, to, to Jeremy uh, here in Arizona about is setting up a STEM lab uh, for students and, and working with our different partners and teaching the, the students about data centers and everything from, you know, installing a rack to networking, understanding, you know, internet protocols and things of that nature and learning how, how they operate and everything in between. And uh, so my hope is we kind of got slowed down with the, the, the pandemic, but my goal would be to have those type of programs and have different workshops set up specifically for young women and, and introduce them to some of our women that are doing great things with, with our organization. And I think that's the way you get people excited is you, you, you actually show them uh, the opportunity in, in the real world. And uh, that gets people excited, I think. Agree. I think the students always talk about a day in the life is so powerful for them to witness it. That's how I met Shalai. We were on Semiconductor and she was asking so many intricate questions to those engineers and the wafers and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, so Anne, what about you? What type of uh, advice would you give? Yeah, you know, Rick, there's so much synergy. I swear we're going to have to have Iron Mountain volunteer with us because we'd love to. We wholeheartedly believe that that's the magic behind our programs is that we help our students imagine what's possible, the things they may never have even considered for themselves. And then we give them the skills to step into those possibilities. And so for our students in the classroom, we know based on a recent national impact survey that 50% of our students go into the career field of the volunteer in their classroom. 50%. That means, Rick, you step into that classroom. 50% of those kids in that classroom are going to go into your industry in some form. And that, to me, is powerful. I wish that I would have had that. And my work would have been a lot (laughs) difficult figuring out what I do now. Just imagine if you send some uh, female STEM-oriented professionals into those classrooms and all those young women, kindergarten to high school, see themselves in that woman or even in the man, but they can see that it's possible for them. They're going to be that more much more likely to step into that in their future. They're not going to be daunted by it. They're going to see it's possible. They're also going to get excited about some of these jobs. When you when you just talk about a data center, maybe it doesn't sound that exciting, but when you see it or you see somebody who has a vigor for that career and what it really means and how it's preserving history and securing futures, I mean it's already it it sells itself, right? Rick, you yeah, gotta get her over there absolutely. to the to the man the man trap. What do you guys call that cool little situation, the security door where yeah, they can't go you got in it right. any further? It's a man trap. Yeah. <laughs> it was so intimidating <laughs> when we arrived and there's of course a security gate and you know, takes me back to all my army training. But so then you get in past security and then you have to see the guy at the desk. And then there's this incredible contraption that they had to go in and be like screened and allowed access. It was so cool just that part then we got to see all of the racks and you know i've never seen cat five cable so organized until i went into iron mountain data center and i was just so appreciative because in iraq and afghanistan we were not that organized or neat with our cat five but um yeah that's a great point i know chalet the other thing is mentorship so i know you've had an incredible experience with your mentor sarah from biasat and 
maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Maybe we can, you know, connect with both JA. I know you have a lot of um, partners that have mentorship. And then Rick, maybe additional um, Iron Mountain employees that would be interested. But Shalai, talk a little bit about your experience of having an individual mentor. Yeah. So Sarah, she's an engineer at Viasat. And I've just had, I've been able to build a really great relationship with her. And she's actually been on this podcast with us before talking about women in STEM and and how we can increase the number of women that go into the STEM field. Um, But she has just been so influential for me. You know, anytime that I've been struggling with my action plans, she's been there to support me. Uh, Any advice that I've needed, um, professional and personal, she's been there to help. And so I think that, you know, that's also been something that's really powerful for me. And I know that is powerful for for a lot of uh, students in the CSO program is having that mentor that you can build a close relationship with and that it, it just really, really helps you kind of envision yourself where they are, you know, and envision yourself in that STEM position. We started yeah. this program, actually, one of our eighth grade CSOs from Sonora, Mexico started Zooming on Science. Uh, once the pandemic started, it was kind of, she'd watch something with Skype a scientist and it wasn't really allowing her to engage with the professional. So she said, Kelly, can we start a CSO International Zoom in on science? So yeah. we started hosting these calls and I will be honest with you, it's not so much about what your day-to-day looks like. The students want to know Did you try something and fail and change your mind? What was your path? Did you know what you wanted to do at 12? Is it okay to kind of change Mm -hmm. your mind? And I Mm -hmm. think that's that's maybe something we need to advise students that, especially in such a rapid changing technology world, Rick, you mentioned, right? (laughs) Iron Mountain had to kind of change, right? With the times of now there's so much on the um, storage side with the digital component. But what what are some of those path points in either of your lives that were kind of turning point of, oh, this is what I want to do or, you know, changing that, you know, some of those aspects. Any Anybody want to share? Yeah, I, I, I can share. You know, it is one of those things that you, as you're growing up, you you think, you know, I personally went through a number of different things. I was an athlete and thought for the longest time, oh, I'm going to be a professional athlete and then going to college, you know, I really wanted to be uh, an attorney. And uh, I did a lot of work in, in uh, juvenile detention centers and treatment centers and things of that nature and thought I wanted to be a criminal attorney and uh, was accepted to law school and, and, and uh, decided that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into business and had uh, an opportunity to, to start selling for a a furniture manufacturer selling, you know, auditorium furnishings and and things of that that nature. And and I had a friend that I played football with in college, that multiple friends, but one in particular that was a, a an MIS major. He picked up and moved to Colorado. I was talking to him about um, you know our futures and you know the the world, and he said, uh, "Hey, if if you can." If you can learn about technology, if you can get yourself an, uh, an an opportunity to be close to technology, technology is driving the world. And and, and he goes, if if you get that opportunity, you, you're going to benefit from it. So I was fortunate to actually work with him 
and get my opportunity in, in Colorado, which was what uh, eventually brought me to Arizona. But when they brought me to Colorado, they were looking for somebody that they believed had uh, leadership qualities and attributes and, 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 that, and, and aptitude to learn technology. I couldn't spell IP. Um, and, and, and so I, I really kind of took a, a leap of faith, went and, 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 and learned and trained and studied. And, uh, you know, my first uh, role in technology was a general manager of a business. And I opened up uh, a data center here 20 uh, some years ago. And so what, I think that a kind of applies to, 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 to anybody. You, you may think you want to be a mechanic or you, you, you think you want to be a teacher and it's okay to, to not know mm-hmm. and to, 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 mm-hmm. ch- to change your path. You brought up a good point in terms of being open and communicating to, to, to the youth that it's okay not to know and it's, it's okay to try different things. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think to my path and mine is, is not as STEM related, but I think back to that was the mindset that I grew up. You figured it out, you knew in high school or shortly after, and that was your game plan. And, um, you know, the reality is that I started out, I got a career working at a full service PR and marketing agency, and they gave me far more responsibility than I should ever have at 22 years old. And I'm very, very grateful for that experience. Um, for me, the turning point would have been I've always had, I, at the time, I had a sense of um, uh, being unfulfilled personally, and I just knew that was there. And my husband and I had the opportunity to go serve in a small community in, in Tanzania, Africa. And t- in the, on the topic of privilege and experience, I mean, we got a better glimpse that I literally changed my life forever. So I came back and shortly thereafter, I, I quit my job and, you know, I quit the pathway to own a company and all of that. And I started working in nonprofit. And what drew me to junior achievements was the fact that we are, I really do believe we're giving students what they need for the future. And I believe anybody in a place of power or leadership or privilege has a strong response. We carry the burden of responsibility to serve and empower and equip those who, who follow behind us and whatever, even as parents, or all the way up to the president and the leaders of the world, that's the responsibility that we carry. And so that's kind of um, what I took away from Africa with me and what I apply to my work every day here. What an incredible opportunity. I think the key point that you both made were soft skills, right? And, you know, Chalet is one of our facilitators and instructors of teaching students. Actually, I think you even have some personal stories of when I tell, when I would ask you to do things and she would doubt or she would overplan or be really mm-hmm. hard on herself. But the ability to have those soft skills of saying yes to opportunities and then being able to network, being able to communicate, being able to get yourself organized and have a plan. But I don't know, Shalai, what are some of your defining moments as a CSO or just, you know, in your short, what, 14 now, 15? Oh my 15, goodness. yes. <laughs> yeah, so I am... Um... I think that, you know, the the advice that I always give to CSOs is to take every opportunity that comes to you because I've, you know, there's been random opportunities where Kelly's been like, hey, you want to, you want to do this? And I'm like, sure. You want to co-host a radio show with <laughs> Yeah. <me?"> yeah. <laughs> and it's led to some of the most amazing connections of my life and, and just really, really great opportunities. And so um, that's what I always tell CSOs. I know just going back to how you guys mentioned that, you know, the your career path doesn't have to be a straight line. 
I've talked to a lot of CSOs who attended these Zoom in on science calls and the fact that a lot of the professionals were saying that, you know, they were they were reiterating that, you know, you you don't have to just stick to the path that you originally thought you were going to be on. It really resonated with them. And so I think that just, you know, getting the getting the chance to uh, interact with these students in this leadership way and and just being able to help them along their journey, journey to finding the leadership in themselves and and just you know, really, really discovering who they are through through STEM and through uh, helping their peers and their community is so, so powerful. So, Rick, you talked about um, athletics, right? I think there are some really neat connections that we're making through, you know, the advancement of SciTech Institute, the Technology Council, all of our collaborators, people who are listening to the show. So, for example, STEM Sports is one of the um, partners that I really wanted to allow students to understand that you can find your passion and have STEM. So for mm-hmm. example, you talked about you wanted to be an athlete potentially. So I would always tell my sixth grade math students who did not like math that if they wanted to be a pro athlete, a lot of them wanting to play football, they had to have a backup plan. So understanding how to make your shot better, how to tighten up the spiral, was really a key way for me to introduce students to understanding why they wanted to play football or why they Mm -hmm. wanted to be a pro athlete. And then they realized, I don't have to be the quarterback. I could be the person running the media board and still be in the building. So I think that that's really powerful here in Arizona that we have all pro sport teams. And that's the student's always first go to what I've heard a lot of the careers in kindergarten. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I was different. (laughs) But there are are a lot of students that talk about doctor, lawyer, which you mentioned you wanted to be, Mm -hmm. and then pro athletics. So the idea of how do we start talking about technology, obviously it's changed now with the pandemic, but really helping students understand engineer doesn't just mean building a mm. building, right? And really yeah. defining some of these key terms and civic you know, responsibility as a mayor. There are some towns here, cities here in Arizona that are now, you know, hosting broadband for their entire community. So mm-hmm. what are some of your thoughts about, you know, the changing the narrative of future jobs or future careers? Because I don't think people realize how much money actually does come in the STEM STEM fields. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. But we talk often about um, not just the types of, of STEM jobs that people obviously conclude for themselves, but also if your passion is healthcare, you don't have to be a doctor or nurse or the person even though they're STEM related, you don't have to be the person that's frontline healthcare. You can be the per- the scientist, you can yeah. be the researcher, you can be the data analytics person that's helping process, you know, and fast tracking some of that research. And there's so many roles. So you can match your passion area with a STEM related role and really propel the, the future. And the, the really cool opportunity we have right now is that we don't even know what the jobs in, in the next 20 to 30 right. years are, what they look like, which ones are even going to matter. And so it's imperative to help get them excited about the idea of STEM jobs, regardless of the nitty gritty, what that is. Yeah. And I think also along with that is the resiliency and curiosity that if you ingrain, going back to those soft skills, if you ingrain some of those in our students now and you help them see 
you can be nimble, you can adapt, your career might look a little bit different, and you can be wildly successful and feel very fulfilled and get to do what you think is fun. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that Ann just said. And I, I, you know, I try to do this with my my own kids. It doesn't always um, work though, does it? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't only, always work. But even they're on the Snapchat or they're on Instagram or they're on Twitter or they're using some of these applications that it's all technology and it's sitting in some data center being served up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to, to talk to them about, yeah, try to, to, to correlate uh, how technology is supporting, you know, some of the applications that that they love to, to to leverage and utilize, but it's not easy. I think a couple things. I think making sure STEM teaching is prioritized, uh, you know, is is important. Uh, you know, investing in STEM teachers. I think incentivizing uh, individuals who are pursuing STEM degrees. I know we we're talking a, a little bit uh, older, but giving giving incentive for for young people to be interested in STEM and make it worth their while, I think is important. In part, I think, I believe there's a, a shortage of, of, of great STEM, STEM teachers. And, and I think investing uh, in, in folks that can, can do the things we were talking about, mentoring and, mm-hmm. and really championing, championing uh, STEM is, is, is important. And I, I, th- I think we, we need that in our communities to, to, to really make STEM top of mind. I think that leads into my excellent final point that education needs to change and education has changed now with a very hard shove. But with Mm -hmm. that, we have the opportunity as the STEM community, right? This entire network that we're all part of to really help elevate teachers to understand that it doesn't have to be in rows in a classroom, everybody quiet, working on a worksheet. And I think that as a former teacher, and I know um, Karen, the you know Business Radio X host as well, we know that if you start with students in kindergarten and let them see what they could be, I know, you know, Shalai wants to be an astrophysicist at NASA. I took her to NASA. She thinks I'm the coolest person in the world. <laughs> so you know, really showing them that it is attainable, and she has she's steadfast on that goal to work there someday. Mm. And I think if we change the narrative in this weird, crazy time and really help people understand that at a click of a button, you can go on a virtual tour. And so obviously I'll highlight our website, you know, scitechinstitute.org backslash resources. And we have virtual field trips that you can take now at the click of a button. And how cool would it be to have both of you maybe, you know, do a 30 second snapshot of even your location after we get off the call tonight, wink, wink, call to action. (laughs) But um, talking about what those jobs are within nonprofit, it's great. I feel fantastic to serve, but also what could members of your team look like? So with that, to our listeners, we always encourage you to get involved in the STEM community. Maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make an impact, a student searching for a mentor, or a community collaborator hoping to meet the right people to help make it happen. So, Anne, what is one way they can get in contact with you? We have a website. I hope we have a website. (laughs) (laughs) We have a website. It's jaaz.org. And for those of you who are looking for some non-traditional education for the students in your life, 
If you just add jaz.org slash resources, you can get all kinds of great freebies, many with that STEM orientation. And um, we really see ourselves as supporting those teachers in raising awareness and aptitude and competency in these kids. And so um, we're happy to reach as many as possible. And it takes lots and lots and lots of people, partners like SciTech and partners like hopefully in the future, Iron Mountain. Yeah. I can see them. Um, I can see their own booth at, at this time. <laughs> I see it. Iron Mountain Data Center. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it takes over 9,000 volunteers a year. So um, yeah. that site, get in contact with us, reach out to me directly, whatever that looks like, because it takes more than a village to prepare these students for the future. That's awesome. What about you, Rick? Any uh, highlights, websites that are working? <laughs> websites? Well, I mean, our 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 website is ironmountain.com and you could go to the, the the data center links and find me. Also, I do participate with the tech council as a board member. And so while my name is on the site, I don't think you can go there and get my contact info, mm-hmm. but you can get me through the technology council for sure. And then Kelly, you and your team know, know where to find me. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> happy to take any calls or questions and, and uh, help educate and, and support STEM here in Arizona. Yeah, it's incredible. We we really just continue to make connections. And, you know, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, exploring opportunities for students. We appreciate both Anne and Rick for being on our show. If you'd like more information, you can contact us at SciTechInstitute.org. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. Mm-hmm.